and welcome back to the Coffin Lounge Podcast. I'm your host, Vampire Kitten, and today my special guest is Naughty Orchid. I love your name, by the way. She is a burlesque artist in Kansas City and uh, just a general artist, actually. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, uh, so I've been doing burlesque in Kansas City for about six years. I got started in uh, 2018 and uh, my first kind of foray into the arts, uh, I ended up starting out as a kitten. Uh, we have stage kittens who help clean and set the stage, grab tips from the crowd, and eventually started building acts and getting myself onto stage to be a true stripper of the arts. Um, and I've just had so much love with it. It actually uh, got me out of a super abusive relationship. Um, it helped me rebuild uh, friends and family and healthy working networks around me. Um, and so I have a lot of love for burlesque. <laughs> I, I always think it's interesting because every, every time I talk to somebody that comes on the show or just in general, like out in public, and they're super passionate about what they do. It's always changed their lives for the better, and I think that's pretty amazing. Um, if you can find a passion that makes you a better person, totally go for it. Like I, I just think it's 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 so important, um, especially when it helps us evolve too. And getting out of a ooh, getting out of an abusive relationship. That's uh, that's one way to do it for sure. Yeah. So was it kind of just like, I know this is probably going to be a personal question. If I pry too much, please tell me. Was it like, <laughs> hey, fuck you. I'm going to go just like strip and, and be sexy and and empower myself and just do whatever the fuck I feel like or basically a fuck you to that person. Or did you just like so happen to get into it and you're just like, I don't need this person in my life anymore because they suck. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> It was, it was a lot more of the second. Uh, I, I look back on that relationship and for the life of me, I cannot figure out why that person was like, yeah, you can strip on stage. Um, other than the fact that they thought I was going to fail at it. Oh, that's awful. Um, yeah, that's the only thing I can think of because they, they had broken me apart from all of my family, all of my friends. Um, I got out of that relationship and looked around and I had no one around me other than burlesque performers. And as I got into the community and starting to, to talk in, to other people and having healthy relationships, because I'd never had a healthy relationship in my life, <laughs> trauma, um, uh, I started listening to stories and I was like, oh, a, a re relationship isn't supposed to be like this. Ooh, this this is apparently bad things that are happening. Oh, I I do deserve more. Like people are telling me that I that I am worthy of something, and not just for my body. Ironically, um, but people were pointing out like the passion that I bring to stage and the um, character faces that I'll do on stage and talking about like my personality, which is such a silly thing to say, she's got a great personality. Um, but like complimenting costumes that I would make. And, and so I finally built up healthy friendships in the community and actually my current partner I met in the community. Um, and is the first healthy relationship I I've had. 
and they've been very supportive of all of my burlesque and luckily have been understanding of that healing process coming out of years of trauma both as an adult and as a child so. healthy relationships they are therapy <laughs> and, okay, that too uh no i i actually think it's really funny because people think that people in like goth or strippers or kink or like any of those realms of anything they always think oh well you just got a bunch of daddy issues and that's what it is and at the end of the day most of the people that i have met in those realms have gotten out of toxic relationships and realized their worth and and found a healthy relationship because they know what a healthy relationship is now versus so many other people on this planet who have no idea <laughs> like it's crazy Going back to what you said, uh, costumes. Do you make all your own stuff? I I make most of my own costumes. Um, if I don't make them, I will usually do some sort of modification on them. Um, bras in particular, our, our regular bras do the hook and eye class. And that's extremely difficult and will often get uh, caught on stage. So a lot of times I'll replace it with um, elastic bands, like two skinny elastic bands with uh, one big hook. Oh. Um, most performers will do their own rhinestoning or have other performers in the community do that rhinestoning. Um, but I, I do a significant portion of my costuming. Um, in fact, I'm working on a, as, as historically accurate as I can get without, uh, foregoing the necessity of stripping out of it, uh, 1890s, uh, late bustle period, epoch era Victorian gown. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really hope you, I would love to see pictures of that yeah. once you get it done. So now that we're kind of going into burlesque history, let's, mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about your favorite. I mean, so you said you got into this in 2019? 18. 19. 18. 18. 18. Okay. Um, what inspired, I guess, so your character's name is Naughty Orchid. Mm-hmm. What inspired your character's name and what sort of historical elements do you bring into your character? Yeah, so I when I first started, I went by a different name. Uh, I just picked something as quick as possible and realized that that name was like two of the most used burlesque names ever, Coquette Noir. Um, realized that wasn't a great way to define myself, especially after people started introducing me on stage as Coquette. Oh no! Oh no! That's awful. Basically, you know who you are. <laughs> um, so I was like, mm, let's find something a little bit oh, that describes me a little bit better. So uh, I came up with Naughty Orchid, which is spelled like a Celtic knot because I am uh, Irish and Scottish on my mom's side, and I am Puerto Rican and um, Hawaiian, Native Hawaiian, on my dad's side. Right. And, and his mother was also german so blonde hair blue eyes blonde hair blue eyes i had no chance um and so i wanted something that described both of my cultures kind of growing up and on the hawaiian islands orchids grow everywhere they're just you find them in ditches that um and there's the the three native hawaiian orchids look nothing like an orchid that we're used to they're silly looking um, but very fun. 
And so I wanted something that like anytime I went on stage, I knew I was bringing my heritage on stage. Um, and a lot of like historical elements that I bring um, as far as like burlesque history is concerned is I like keeping alive a lot of the theatricalness oh, that so good. was such a, a staple part of burlesque and its burlesque history. Um, especially as you might notice, I have a particular love of the Victorian era, um, bringing more of that. One of my favorite newer pieces that I do, which is called Nouveau Pisces, okay. um, is the entire design of the costuming is based on the Art Nouveau era um, and bringing love a lot it. of So I, I bring in a lot of that kind of costuming aspect. I feel like that era doesn't get enough love. Right. Also, it's a very hard costuming era because it overlapped with so many other things. Um, what's your favorite? Uh, well, you said you, Victorian is kind of your favorite era, right? Mm -hmm. So what is what are some of your other favorite eras? Um, I'm a huge fan of Edwardian, very close, but oh. I love that kind of pigeon-breasted look. Um, I love anything with bustle. Give me a bustle and I am I am down. <laughs> Uh, I, I've also played with the idea of doing more medieval things. Um, my partner is super into kind of historical, uh, sword fighting okay. actually. Um, so he'll do like Ren Faire and things and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh yeah, there's some cool costuming in there. Um, my, my heart is, is with the costuming <laughs> part of my, my burlesque performance. I feel that. I costuming is the best uh, it's so fun to dress up and if I any excuse to dress up I will be there like look I mean I've got fangs and eyes on my podcast every single week <laughs> any excuse to dress up yes um so historically burlesque has had a lot of tease elements mm -hmm. and you know I, I don't know that a lot of my viewers or sorry listeners and viewers know a whole heck of a lot about burlesque but typically yeah. when you see in medias and media and film like film uh photos what have you burlesque always has an element of mystery tease but there's always something hidden to be revealed what are some of your favorite props because props are so important right what are some of your favorite props um this is gonna be a little bit silly i can't um, wait one of my favorite props is actually my hair. Okay. Um, I will often tie it up, pile it up on the top of my head, and that will be one of my reveals, especially if I'm doing like two acts. My first number almost always will have like a hair reveal. Right. Um, it always surprises the people that have seen how long my hair is, and they're like, how do you pile it up? How is it all hidden? And it's a great surprise for people who haven't seen me. And they're like, oh, you've got short hair. That's that's cute. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, God, there's so much. <laughs> um, and my other favorite prop that isn't quite a prop um, are my hands. Right. Um, I will, in burlesque, hands are a great use to both direct our audience where we want them to see. So if I'm wearing a glove, I will use my other hand to direct them notice the glove look at the glove this is where i want you to be and i will train the audience to look where my hands go because then i can also misdirect um right. some of my favorite 
peels that I've seen other performers do is when they use that training, look here, look here, I'm going to do something with this glove. And then their other hand sneakily goes away and they yank off the dress in one go. Um, so those are props, but not props. Um, outside of those, I am a huge fan of my belly dance sword, um, and veils. I, I have a lot of belly dance training. Do you have, so it's, it's like a scimitar, right? Yes. So are you able to like put that on your head and just like do your thing? Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I I can bounce it on my head, my chest, my butt, my hip, my arms, my wrists, and my legs. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to come see one of your shows. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like excited just getting a one-on-one talking about this with you. I would love to see one of your shows. I'm going to have to come by at some point. Yeah. we've We've actually got one this, uh, this Saturday, September 9th. I was going to ask you who, so you work with a company called Risque Revelry. Did you start that? I did. It is okay. the company that I own. Oh, awesome. And that started in 2020. Uh, you're probably no better than I would. 2021. Sorry. I had notes. They got lost <laughs> out the window. Numbers are hard. Numbers yeah. are hard. <laughs> um, that's amazing. So how I guess it's how did you get started doing that? Like, do you just said, hey, a bunch of girls, let's get together and rent a theater? <laughs> um, it, it kind of morphed. Uh, I was part of a, a pseudo troupe called Cirque du Risque. Okay. Um, and after we started coming out of the pandemic, we did nothing during the pandemic. Everything shut down. Um, there was only a couple of shows still doing stuff either virtually and then slowly coming back. And the producer that I took over from uh, decided that she didn't she didn't want to produce anymore. It wasn't quite her shtick. Um, so she was like, hey, would you like to take over the troupe? And I was like, yes, but I have too many ideas. <laughs> so I rebranded. I turned us in. We are a proper registered with the state of Missouri LLC. Um, we are a full functioning business. Uh, some of the members that we have were old Cirque du Risque members that are now Risque Revelry members. Um, and then we're a bit of a hybrid. So we have partial members and then we'll do either hand casting from other performers in the community, or we'll have like open submissions, i.e. our October show is currently open for anybody to submit and we've had people from des moines and joplin columbia st louis we had a performer come in from utah once uh as well wow so you're getting out there i am (laughs) do you have so is your theater theater uh do you guys i guess i'm let me try to rephrase this do you (laughs) rent the theater that you perform in or is it something that you own? Uh, we rent the, okay. the theater that we perform in. And uh, a lot, we, we've we got our, our, our little hands in other honey pots, So we might be coming out with some other shows. That would be so amazing. Keep that close to my chest for now. <laughs> uh, so how many, how many girls do you have? Uh, let's see. We've got uh, Ulala, uh, Nadja Venem, who is my burly baby um we've got ember ashburn who does a lot of stuff around town mm-hmm. um i'm sure she's also in your dms um and then we've got siren dampson 
um, as well as part of our main risk at troop. And then we've got a couple of revelers as well. Wednesday Patron, Lola Loquacious, Terrify, and Trixie Treat. And our reveler group are like our aces in the hole. We have somebody drop out because they're sick. We can pop them in real quick because they got their stuff together. That's nice. Um, so Backup plan. Yeah, I love a backup plan. I'm a project <laughs> manager in my day-to-day -day life. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm looking around. And so do you do like themed events? Do you do themed? So say, hey, today's witches or next week next uh month is like garden themed do you do like themes with all the girls a little bit um we will have kind of every other show will be themed and that theme show is a submission show okay um and so like our october our theme is general halloween it's our uh revelry of ghouls that's really um, cute. But we also had like Paradise on Parade earlier this year, which was all flora and fauna themed. Oh. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, the non-themed shows are like open call. We could have anything. We could have Valentine's acts. We could have Halloween acts. We could have weird, raunchy acts that don't have a good place to go. Right. Um, that is really cool. Yeah. So, so uh... What is the theater that you use? Uh, currently, that is Arts Asylum. Uh, okay. Their little tagline is a safe space to create. Um, they have been super welcoming of us, which is great. Um, their space is gorgeous. I love having an actual theater and <laughs> raked seating and the dressing rooms, the best dressing room I've ever been in. <laughs> uh, as burlesque dancers, we could have any anything from an actual just like a side pocket room to we're in the manager's office to a hallway with bus boys running around us or no. the keg closet Ugh. so having a, a real dressing room with real mirrors and lighting it's like oh i'm a i'm a big girl now <laughs> yeah that's how you know you've made it when you're not in the hallway anymore yeah <laughs> <laughs> for sure um, okay, so let's let's talk about your general Halloween show. I want to know about it. Who is that? And that's just Halloween theme. That's it. And anybody um, can go to that one. Halloween, spooky, creepy, um, anything dark, and maybe toes the line of like fetish work type of things. Um, and, and the submission is still open right now, so we have not chosen all of our cast members. Um, but that will be October 13th. We got a very sweet date. That is. Um, and that will actually be at a different venue called Chef Tito's in North Kansas City, which means we'll actually have food so at this event. I think you made an important uh, note there. October 13th is actually a Friday the 13th. It is. So that's exciting. I'm yeah. it's I think it was like our only Friday the thirteenth this year, wasn't it? I believe so. I don't think I've seen any of it. Yeah, that's amazing. That is definitely that's meaningful. Um I get how how would one get involved if they were interested in getting into burlesque? How would somebody start? Um the best way that one can start is 
following burlesque groups, burlesque uh, performers. So I am on Facebook and Instagram as Naughty Orchid for Facebook and Naughty Orchid Burlesque, one word on Instagram. Uh, I actually teach classes. So anybody who would be interested in actually seeing how they feel body-wise uh, for a class are welcome to join. They're just drop-ins right now. Um, my next class is Sunday, the 24th of September. Um, the class starts at 2 p.m. And we tend to kind of ro rotate through several different uh, topics throughout the month. So the class we did just yesterday, we did like a full body run through of different isolations. Um, the end of the month, we'll probably do um, a little bit of prop work with maybe glove pulls. Um, and working on like struts and poses. Cute. Well, that's fun. Um, what do your classes, do they cost anything? Yeah, they are uh, 15 bucks and they run about an hour. Um, that's really good. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty reasonable considering God, in this economy, that's pretty reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> hey, learn, learn burlesque in this economy, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I also teach uh, private lessons when there's demand for it. Um, and for private lessons, I can do something more honed in, like act development or um, costume tips and tricks, because I've been teaching myself sewing for a very long time. I have so many tips and tricks to throw out to the world. <laughs> have you thought about maybe putting, like making a burlesque tips and tricks book? Have you thought about like, hey, these are things that I've learned and I'd like to pass on to you? Um, there are there are a lot of resources kind of in that vein. Um, I'm happy to teach what I know, to, especially for like local people. But there are wonderful performers that are perhaps a little bit more accessible with like online uh, classes for tips and tricks. Um, I know like Ginger Valentine is a great one. Frank fictitious will will teach costuming classes as well brilliant performers a-list performers um and we're all just kind of sharing all of our our secrets around with each other so what are some of the misconceptions surrounding burlesque because i'm sure that you since you were talking about some bigger performers yeah i'm sure everybody wants to be dita bontese <laughs> and everybody expects that because you know the media but yeah. what are some misconceptions about burlesque that you can kind of debunk? And it's not always going to, obviously, you're not always going to be in a champagne glass or a martini glass. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> this isn't Vegas. But, <laughs> yeah. but what are some misconceptions that you often find yourself having to deal with at shows with, like, the general public, I guess? Um, one, of, one of the big ones we get... Uh, which is currently a hot topic in the community. Um, I love the tea. <laughs> let me get my, let me get my, hold on. You're right. Right. <laughs> um, is uh, people will often describe burlesque as classier or classier than stripping in a club. Um, and we often, uh, those of us who are informed, try to debunk that one, especially because um, if you think burlesque is classy, you've never been to a proper burlesque show. I have seen so many things come out of hoo-hahs that probably shouldn't have been there to begin with. Um, great acts, but 
the the idea of being classy or classier than something is a classist idea um and it puts those who are not able to spend thousands of dollars on rhinestones kind of in a weird box of you don't belong because you don't have seven thousand swarovski crystals on you yeah speaking of swarovski crystals uh <laughs> aren't they not making them anymore i i heard that i heard they didn't go i i have never owned swarovski crystals <laughs> they are so they're stupid expensive they're beautiful but they're stupid expensive let me one example all right i i i, I make costume stuff myself and I know that my listeners are not going to be able to understand this, but my viewers will. Okay. Um, this is a costume. This is a horn, right? Yeah. I make, you know, it's, and I've been rhinestoning these. The glass ones are just as effective, especially in a color, mm -hmm. than the Swarovskis. Yes, yeah. they are gorgeous, but yeah. not all of us have 1% money. So glass is fine and they are super cheap on amazon per little box if you buy them so if you yeah. want to rhinestone your stuff to make it elevated freaking do it for five dollars yeah and amazon's a great accessible mm -hmm. one i've had good luck with them there's a ton of performers who have like their own little mini lines of of uh rhinestones that you can find um all over the internet if you just search you know rhinestone burlesque it'll start popping up um you know it's so expensive tons feathers. of affordable options feathers are so expensive for no freaking reason like those yeah. fall off birds it's not <laughs> why are you know what i mean like why are they so expensive rhinestones you have to make you have to etch those things and yeah. they're cheap feathers fall off birds naturally and they're so much more expensive oh, why uh anyway Right. Yes, you, you can, you can costume for cheap, and I think it's important that people understand that closet yeah. cosplay and closet costuming is still valid if you want to elevate it with five dollar rhinestones. Yep. You know what I mean? Like you can take anything. You can take an apron, cover it in rhinestones, and it it goes from a fifteen dollar material apron to a sixty five to seventy five dollar apron in you know. A couple of couple of hours a eh, couple of days a couple of days yeah. of work but like i think that people always say because i've been in costuming for a really long time i you know make cosplay accessories and stuff yeah. people always say well i can't afford it and it's just like costuming is go into your closet pick out some of your crazy clothes and do just cut them up do some fun stuff cut up a t-shirt make it a costume i've seen people make things out of paper towel rolls it's great yeah. so like Yes, costuming costuming is a little expensive. It's a little pricey. Fabric is expensive, but if you if you dive in those discount bins, uh, there's some treasure in there. Yeah. And don't pass on um, thrift stores. There are old oh. wedding dresses that have vintage lace mm -hmm. that would cost you hundreds of dollars, and it's like a fifteen dollar wedding dress. Tear it apart, you know. A, a ton of my dresses that I use for burlesque, if I don't make the costuming myself, I will often go to a thrift store and find something. Um, your your listeners can't see, but I'm wearing some stiletto thigh high red boots <laughs> really that cute. I got from uh, 
from a thrift store, uh, which is extra impressive because I, I'm a curvy bitch. Um, <laughs> sometimes straight retailers are, are hard to find things from. So I feel a lot better if I find something in a thrift store that I'm going to have to cut up and open up anyways. So I might as well just spend $20 on it rather than spending $60 on something that I'm going to have to alter anyways, or right. stick appliques or stick rhinestones on. Right. And it's totally okay to shop at a thrift store, friends. Absolutely. It's, it's not, it's not a shame. Although I will say in this economy, since we're going back to that, why is, why are we charging so much at thrift stores right now? What? When did that happen? Out of hand. You got to find the right like nexus point of affluent neighborhood, but not so affluent that they care about making money off of the items they get for free at their thrift store. Mm -hmm. You got to find shop around, folks. <laughs> California friends, I have a I have a tip for you. Fabric <laughs> in Santiali is like a dollar a yard for everything. A couple dollars a yard uh in in downtown los angeles but if you go to the thrift stores around beverly hills there are some really expensive finds there for very very cheap you're welcome i know that's not anywhere near here but for the california listeners that is that is where i used to find some serious stuff like people in beverly hills donate everything because they're like i don't have room and they just donate it and i'm like this is a 200 dollars bag that you've now donated that I got for $15. You know what I mean? Like, Ooh. so there's truth in that. <laughs> I'm serious. All right. So you said you sew. What other, what other things do you make for yourself? Do you, so you sew your own costumes. What do you, what other art do you do? Cause you mentioned you've done other things. Do you yeah. paint? Do you, what do you do? Yeah, I, I'm a bit of a jack of all trades. <laughs> um, I sew my own costumes. I make my own headdresses. I uh, do painting. I've done oil painting, which is my one true love. Uh, I do a little bit of watercolor. Sometimes I'll make uh, little greeting cards with like koi fish on them. Oh my God, that's uh, so cute. <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of, a lot of more oil paint based uh things especially with like mythical creatures um i've always had a love for the feminine form and the female body so i do a lot of kind of nude style artwork wait, wait we got to talk about it what's your favorite mythological creatures oh 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 there's so many to choose from you got a top three i can't i can't tell people to just pick one because right? it's too it's hard top three. Top, top three what are your top three Ooh, top three. And are we counting cryptids? Oh no. Okay, how about we do <laughs> let's <laughs> let's play a game. Top three favorite mythical creatures, top three cryptids. So okay. you have six total. Six total. <laughs> Great. Um goodness. Uh top favorite chimera. Oh, good one. That's a Love good one. Chimera. Um the Naga. Oh. And Kitsune. You, oh, you like some mysterious, some mysterious creatures. Yeah. I love it. Okay. What about um, cryptids? Well, K K Kitsune is kind of a, that can be a crossover. 
They could be. They could be. But what? What about? What are your cryptid favorites? Top three. Um, as the good goth girl that I am, Mothman. Oh yeah, I I was hoping. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely my top. Um, Loch Ness as a good Irish girl. Oh yeah, Nessie. <sighs> what am I third? What would be my third? Now I'm thinking. Yeah, there's there's a lot of have you have you thought about doing a Mothman burlesque outfit? Please, <laughs> please, that would be so cute. I've seen so many of them; they are so cute. With the it's just a black sheet with some feathers and some red eyes, and I love them. With yeah. the, all you need is some stockings and some heels. Perfect. So yeah. <laughs> I I have thought I have thought about uh doing doing a Mothman or doing a general like moth type of thing like especially grabbing doing a moth that's like maybe native to either hawaii or native to like missouri area um I like that would be really cute do both do both that would do be so both. cute or do an <laughs> act where you have both coming together oh yeah yeah, yeah. you know yeah to the light <laughs> you know i saw I saw people at Dragon Con. It was a TikTok that I saw. I know I talk about TikTok a lot on this show. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners. But I saw a TikTok yesterday and it was two people with their moth costumes tapping on glass, <laughs> waiting for a light. I died. I died. I was like, oh it's God. stuff like that that makes me giggle <laughs> so damn much. Human beings crack me up. They really do. But I will. So I think my, my, top fantasy creatures it's hard because i know i love my horror creatures i love my vampires and my werewolves and stuff i think my werewolves oh my god people are gonna hate me werewolves are probably my number one. Oh, <laughs> i love them i love them so much um i basically live my life as a vampire at this point so i can't really put that on the list it just is part of my <laughs> life probably like sirens but they gotta be like really scary yes they have to have like you know they you know when you see a video and it's just like somebody like singing in the distance and it's in the dark i'm sure you've probably seen those videos yeah yeah, yeah. it's terrifying i love that um and then i like griffins i think griffins are cool and harpies are also cool so I don't know. It's hard. Let's forego the werewolves. We'll put that on the cryptids list. There you go. I'd have to say harpies, griffins, and sirens are probably my top three. Yeah. And then cryptids, I have a list for sure for that. Werewolves, uh, the jackalope, and the chupacabra. Oh, the chupi! Yeah. Those are my top three. For sure. I'm pretty confident in that list. <laughs> Um, but anyway, do you have a third? I I think it would be the chupacabra. So cute. I know it's an alien, and I am not a huge fan because they're terrifying. The thought of yeah. aliens scares the shit out of me. <laughs> really yeah, does. yeah. I, I saw something with like the greys represented, like probably way nope. too young, and now they they haunt my. Oh my, my gosh! Eyes. Me too. I saw this video. <laughs> oh, we're talking about this. I saw this video when I was a kid. I was like maybe nine, I don't know. And it was an alien autopsy video. And it was black mm -hmm. and white and it was horrifying. And it looked real. 
and it scared me forever. So aliens are ruined for me forever. <laughs> like no lie. Um, I so I love, I love. What, how do you feel about drag queens? Because I feel like they come up with some really great burlesque ideas. Yes, yes. Um, the the crossover between drag and burlesque is nearly an overlapping circle. I, I, I also know that that was a very off-topic thing, but I had a point. <laughs> I had a point. Because uh, I was like, cryptids, drag queens. There was a point. Um, a lot of drag queens make cryptid outfits. Yes. And so I think it's really cute. Has have you have has you actually thought about doing more kind of fantasy outfits? Uh yeah, a little bit. My my nouveau Pisces number is actually I do it with little elf ears and I will oh. often do like scales or like pearls glued onto my face. Um because I it's love supposed that. to be a representation of Pisces. Uh usually people only get elf princess out of it, but I'm like, you know what, close enough. Have you thought about doing a Zodiac theme where every one of the girls does a Zodiac theme? Uh, there was actually a different production this year that did a Zodiac theme and they had, I believe, all 12 Zodiacs represented in their cast. That's fun. Yeah, huge cast. There's oh, like 12 oh. or 13 people. So typically when you do a show, how many do you have? Uh, typically a normal show will have about six performers each doing two acts with a possible seventh performer. Um, oftentimes I'll let my stage kitten do a one act, which Aww. is great for like newer performers who Learning. maybe they have one act to put on stage um, or they're a seasoned performer and they're, they're helping out by being stage kitten, but they want a little extra stage time. Um, so typically we'll have 12 to 13 acts across the board. That's a pretty regular show. Um, some shows will have a lot of performers all just doing one act, or they'll have kind of a mix of both of having some seasoned performers doing two acts and newer performers just doing one. Okay. All right. So 12 is a lot. 12, 12 performers <laughs> is a lot. 12, it seems that's a lot. So would they do you, I would assume that they would only do one act each then if they're doing 12 for yeah. typical yeah. show. Okay. Well, so since we were talking a little bit about history, who are some of your favorite historical burlesque performers? Oh, um, Josephine Baker is definitely oh. right at right at the top of the list. Mm -hmm. um, she was just an in insanely fun and interesting person. Like her whole life story is just so cool. Um, and I know there was another performer whose name sort of escapes me. And I don't know if I'm confusing it with an actress by the same name, um, but there's a gal by the name of Anna Mae Wong. Okay. Um, also kind of in that same era as Josephine Baker. Also just a powerhouse of a person. Um, and some kind of newer, uh, some more um, contemporary performers that I really like would be uh, Frankie Fictitious. They are such a powerhouse on stage uh every time i see videos of them i'm like this person has to be like six two they're just a huge presence and i met them this year actually uh and took a costuming class from them 
and they're shorter than me and i'm five five it's probably those legs as just or, the presence when right. they walk on stage you're like nobody is taking this from them uh Louise is an amazing performer especially if you want something a little uh off the beaten track they are known as the honey badger of burlesque and <laughs> The facial expressions that they make are the most amazing thing. Uh, just silly faces, angry faces, faces that might not match with like the sexy moves that they're doing. So they do a lot of kind of um, spinning what you expect burlesque to be on its head. Because everything, you know, you say burlesque and you think Dita Bontese. Glamour. Style. Chloe, glamour, right. gorgeous, you know, the strut and strip. Oh, no. We need chaotic burlesque. Chaotic burlesque. It's supposed um, to be campy, and it's supposed to be fun. And I think I think a lot of people don't understand that, like drag, like even horror movies, it's mm -hmm. all originally was, it was really campy. While it probably started very serious, the camp no. is, well, yeah, okay. If, if you go yeah. if you go all the way back to the very beginnings of burlesque and where we get the name burlesque mm -hmm. from the Italian burlesca, um, it, it evolved from Commedia dell'arte, okay. which was all camp and playfulness of taking a stereotype and taking that to the extreme. And so you got burlesque, which just means to parody. Right. And they would parody, uh, you know, upper class theater shows. Right. and parody them for the working class so it's always been a parody and a camp it's very thing. cute yeah. and i i just think that people need to understand that it is very it is camp it is camp but um i think people take it a little too seriously too they they definitely can they definitely can so when you have people come to your shows are what what typically is like a normal person expecting to see when you, they come to one of your shows one of my shows um typically i am on the stage as just an mc so they'll see a lot of me but less skin and more vocals um but when when somebody comes to my shows i would like that they would that they're expecting to see varied bodies on stage i want our audience to be able to feel represented on stage. That's because great. One of the reasons that I got into burlesque is one of the first shows I saw, which was a rude review show. Um, I saw a woman on stage who had my curvier style body. And as somebody who's always been kind of in the leaning plus size category, I'd never seen that on a burlesque stage from like the videos and the YouTubes. It was always very skinny, petite people. And so seeing somebody with a curvier body like mine and not in the, the perfect hourglass shape, um, let me feel represented on stage and let me see that that person could be sexy as hell right. on stage. And so I want to give that experience to my audience. I want the next generation of burlesque dancers to be like, oh my God, I am on that stage. That person can look like me. And especially as we, there's a lot of rampant um, issues with not creating diverse casts. Right. It is one of my biggest 
things, especially as somebody who's Hawaiian and Puerto Rican, but clearly white passing, I want to bring POC onto my stage. I want people of color to feel like it is a safe space for them to create whatever wackadoodle idea they have on that stage, feel safe doing it and get paid reasonable rates. Right. <laughs> and like, I want that audience to feel that same thing. So I think it's really important that you do represent people like that because it's it's really hard for a lot of people to find representation of, of who they are and what they feel in their lives. So having these people come into, onto stage it's it's not only a kind of a breaking out point for someone like you who were like oh hey i was represented this is me and i could do this and it's motivational and inspiring for people to kind of go okay well i shouldn't be scared to do this because i am being represented mm -hmm. so it's very cool yeah and and our and our shows are not just burlesque shows we're burlesque and variety so we've okay. had belly dancers and um contortionists and jugglers uh i'd love to have fire but the fire codes in kansas city are very strict um, but we've also had singers and comedians the show this weekend will actually have an improv uh performer do a little like mini set with an audience volunteer that's very cute have you done other performance art other than burlesque Yes, I pretty frequently will do belly dance, um, okay. typically more in the Egyptian style. Uh, I've been taking belly dance for seven years, maybe eight years. Okay. Goodness, it's been a while. Um, I will also do like veil work and the belly dance sword work um, with that. A lot of my belly dance ends up kind of bleeding into my burlesque. In fact, That's... I've got two two numbers that are hybrids of belly dance and burlesque that's so cool though yeah um i do take hula lessons hawaiian hula um but i don't perform nearly as much with that just because of my schedule um i do occasionally make again a, a combination of my hawaiian heritage with hula and blending it into burlesque so i have a number called puliahu hula um, Puliahu is one of the seven snow goddesses of Hawaii. Um, and she, there's a very famous story of her and Pele, the volcano goddess, getting into a competition with each other. Um, Puliahu actually won the competition and Pele, uh, unable to take the, the defeat, uh, ended up exploding and trying to take out the island and Puliahu and her six sisters uh were able to defend away from the uh volcanic goddess um volcanic akua actually the translation from hawaiian to english isn't quite correct um akua doesn't directly mean like goddess or god it means more closely to like ancestor okay um so it's a very Western idea to think of them as like deities. Um, but yeah, I do so, a, a burlesque number as Puliahu. That's really cute. <laughs> so cute. I, I'm looking at your Instagram and you've got some really great photos on here. Your photographers are incredible. So you also do a little tie tying? 
Shabari? Yeah, Shabari. Yes, yes. Uh, I am. I am both a bunny and I'm trying to learn how to be a rigger um, okay. because there is a severe lack of female riggers in Kansas City, at least that I have found. If you're out there, female riggers, come find me. You heard it here. We need to unionize. Tell Naughty Orchid. <laughs> um, um, because I, I love all the intricate knot work you can do with shibari. So I've learned to kind of do some tie, simple ties on myself. Um, eventually I'd like to learn how to do more intricate things on other people to provide that service. Um, a lot of photographers will use riggers for shibari um, type shoots. Sometimes they won't and they'll just learn how to do it on their own, which can be very dangerous. Um, right. Because obviously, if you are tightening down too tight, you could cut off circulation. They don't know the proper way to deal with uh, aftercare to make sure that that person is not, you know, living through something or it doesn't bring something yeah. else out from their, like, background. Uh, actually, if you wouldn't mind, I would like to talk a little about aftercare. Because I, I don't... We've talked a little bit about it on the on this show before. And I, I don't think people that are listening understand a, a whole lot about the fetish side of things. Aftercare is generally something that you do to take care of a person that you have. Uh, what's the name? I'm trying to. Um, done a scene with. Scene. Done a scene with. Um, so essentially it is to ice or rub or whatever else to try to take care of that person to make sure that they are in pain mm -hmm. um so what would you do for aftercare for shibari um for shibari when i have done it um usually i will try to place myself in a very comfortable area a couch pillows soft blankets um make sure that if i i particularly you'll see uh shibari with the the knee bent and tied down mm -hmm. so you want to make sure that you have enough space to kind of sprawl yourself out um i will often use ice as well to kind of let that sink in if i've got any soreness um i've got some like um roll-on biofreeze can be very helpful if you like that sensation um, if you have a partner or, um, or if you can reach the areas yourself, sometimes light massaging that area will let the blood flow get back to regular. Right. Um, and this the, is for, this is for anything, anything yeah. fetish related where it inflicts any sort of pain. Um, and I keep forgetting to talk a little bit about aftercare because yeah. I've had so many episodes where we talk about just inflicting <laughs> pain, but never yeah. like the aftercare portion of it. But yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, and, and it's important with burlesque too, because as a performer, especially when I MC, I am turned turned on, not in the normal way, um, turned on like a light yeah. um, as a character, as Naughty Orchid, I am on for two hours straight, interacting with people in that mindset, um, which is not horribly different than my regular but I'm a little bit like turned up to 11 and so when I go home some of the first things I will do will be maybe get myself a sweet snack something easy to digest like a smoothie or a milkshake um and I'll eat some carbs uh, a lot of performers will carbo load as they glitter crash 
um, which is the kind of crash feeling we, we get after a show. Um, and I will usually kind of curl myself up into something comfy, a blanket, a pile of pillows, my army of squish mallows. <laughs> Um, and then the next day I'll do like masks or take a nice hot shower and just kind of give myself some nice relaxing headspace. I think it's important. That is such a huge, important, like part of being a performer is that mm -hmm. being on all the time. Yeah. So like when I, it's very similar to when I start streaming. So I stream a few times a week and when I stream, I have to get ready, which is part of it burlesque get ready and then you host you perform hosting takes a lot out of you i do trivia once a week and at the end of the day i'm just like i just want to relax like i just want to not have to think about anybody else think about myself yeah. or when i go out and do a photo shoot even a photo shoot because you're twisting and contorting even mm -hmm. i'm sure you have this all the time yeah. you're twisting and contorting and you're doing things with your body that you aren't normally doing all the time you mm -hmm. get a sort of like dancer sore yeah yeah and they... people I, I don't think people understand you know it's like they always say well it can't be that hard to model or to pose <laughs> or to host. But at the end of the day, it's your mental capacity is at a at an all-time low. Your mm -hmm. body is ready to just relax and not be on, like you say. Mm -hmm. Um, and and in your muscles are tired. Like yeah. they just get exhausted. Um, yeah. and it's there's no form there's unless you're doing like gymnastics all the time there's no form of exercise that really prepares you for posing yeah it's it's rough <laughs> yeah yeah posing and dancer dancing like i will oftentimes every once in a while in my class i'll give a little uh teaser of what it feels like to perform and i'll have my students hold an emotion or oh. <laughs> Like, I want you to, you know, they'll pick it and we have to guess. That's but a challenge. Like anger or that they're being a coquette on stage. Um, and I'll be like, you have 30 seconds and you have to not drop that emotion or character for 30 <sighs> You're seconds. You're making them do the burlesque equivalent of planks. Yes. <laughs> and, and they're like, oh, that's, that's so easy. And without fail... They'll get 10 seconds in and be like, that's enough, right? And like, you've still got 20 whole seconds. Keep going. That's funny. <laughs> People, yeah, I, I think <laughs> that's funny. I love that. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely the burlesque equivalent of planks. Nobody wants to do a plank. Because then once you start doing a plank, you're like, am I done? No, you've been five, five seconds. It's not enough. <laughs> um, and then they go home and they're just like, why am I so sore? Yeah, for yeah. the 10 seconds of activity I didn't do in that position. <laughs> right, yeah. in, in boudoir modeling, we have a saying that says, if it if you don't hurt after your after your boudoir shoot, you didn't do it right. Right. <laughs> because there's so much like you've got to bring your, you know, elongate your spine, elongate your torso, twist yourself. You know, it's basically stretching on hard mode. <laughs> Right. and holding that stretch for long periods of time it's 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 fun and satisfying but it's hard work yes 
So what are some of the f your favorite outfits? Ooh, um, favorite outfits. I am currently very in love. I've mentioned it so many times in this podcast. It's one of my new new acts, so I'm still like, ah, oh, it's so shiny. Uh, is the Nouveau Pisces act. Um, the the dress is very inspired by Alphonse Mucha, oh. who's a very famous Art Nouveau uh, painter. Um, and so it's got the empire waist and lots of gold and filigree. Um, and I hand dyed the dress myself. Um, so it's what an ombre it? effect of blues. Nice. And it's, it's nice. a funny indigo blue so sometimes as it fades down you can kind of see some purple hints to it okay um which made it a nightmare to try to match with other blues <laughs> um but the end result was very fun the pasties look like sea foam um Cute. Just, just everything about this costume I was like i just need to harness whatever that was and keep doing some variation with it two other costumes because i love this costume i love the act it makes me very happy <laughs> um another costume that i did that i really love i have a it's one of my one of one of the first acts i ever did um which is shock the sand claws and it's done to corn's version of kidnap mr sandy claws from the <laughs> nightmare before quest christmas oh my gosh <laughs> That's amazing. And I'm dressed as like an adult shock who is the little witch character in that in that film. And I even have like a green mask that kind of looks like her mask. And the whole thing has a lot of fetish themes. I whip myself with a flogger. I start out all bound and tied. Um, but it's a very fun act. I keep telling myself that I need to coalesce all the times that I kick my chair off the stage because one day it will break and I'm going to put all of those like kicks together to a, in the arms of an angel. <laughs> it hasn't broken yet, so it's still surviving, but I have a plan for a memoriam of that chair. Oh, that's funny. Wait, how long have you had this chair that you use? I've had that chair for six years. And it still hasn't broken after you've kicked it off the stage? It hasn't broken yet. It did have two, two and a half years of rest between the pandemic and then me oh. getting distracted with new acts um but so it's a what, very fun act what did you do during the pandemic i didn't do a whole lot i did i was in two virtual shows um quite a few productions moved completely virtual so you would film your act in your own living room and then send it into a producer and then they would just splice it in interesting um, <clears throat> it was different interesting uh i can technically say that i sort of shared a stage with uh egypt black nile okay um virtual stage with egypt black nile uh who is a great fanta oh no the group chats um <laughs> great performer uh and and it, it was very fun to see so many different performers that you know, I saw people from Las Vegas and California and Canada that in a normal in-person show, I might not have been able to see. Right. Um, but outside of that, I just worked and did uh, some kind of like costume maintenance. I got to work on 
uh, one of my first more classically leaning acts, uh, which is to Nina Simone's I'm Feeling Good. Oh, that um, song is just... I love that song. Mm, and chef's Kiss. This is that, one of the like, so good. fun like act development things that I like to teach is tons of people have done I'm Feeling Good. Mm-hmm. When I looked up other people doing this act, most of them were doing it to the Michael Buble version instead of Nina Simone. So I'd like to segue there for a second. There is a version of that song that is my absolute favorite. And it's on an album called Verve Remixed, The First Ladies. Oh. It is one of my favorite albums ever because it's all of those ladies who made some incredible music back in the day, like Nina Simone era. Um... And it's got electronic elements, but it's not so much where it's like aggressive and gross. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite remixes of that song are on there. There's also Ella Fitzgerald, Billy Holiday, Sarah Vaughn, uh, Dina Washington, Marlena Shaw. I'll, I'll have to send this to you, but it's so good. It is incredible. I'll actually stick it. It's one of my favorite albums ever. I'll stick it in the description so people can see it. Um, but I love remixes of that song. Well, look, it's been (laughs) an incredible conversation. I love everything about burlesque is so mysterious and so amazing. So I'm glad that you shared a lot of uh, some secrets with us today. Um, It was very nice to have you on the show. And where can people find you? What are you working on? And uh, do you have anything else to add to this discussion today? Yeah, um, they can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Like I said, uh, Naughty Orchid in both places. Instagram, Naughty Orchid Burlesque. You can also check out uh, my website for Risque Revelry, risquerevelry.com. You can also do playbacks of previous shows. So if you're like, I don't know if I can make it out to uh, in person, we've got previous shows there. Um, and then kind of our big little medal for the year is we actually made it onto the voting ballot for the pitches best of kansas city for best burlesque troupe of kansas city which i'm super excited for and would love to petition some votes for i will put all of that including the pitch thing in the description links below for spotify and youtube so make sure you vote vote for them for the best burlesque troupe Help them. Uh, Thank you all so much for being here. I appreciate each and every one of you. We are halfway through the, I think I'm going to end the season at uh, 20 episodes and then take a couple weeks off and then we'll start a new season. So I'd like to mention that Um, we're at episode 11. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, uh, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you all so much for being here. I appreciate you. And I will see you on the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.